Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020 and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. I'm Lara Lightbody, the producer of this show. Apart from the COVID headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of Shelter at Home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in, and at the same time preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff and take a seat. This is Coexisting. Hello, my name is uh, Togara. I'm speaking from the capital city of uh, Zimbabwe, Harare. I was originally born in uh, Zambia, in Lusaka, but uh, was brought up uh, here in Zimbabwe, and this is where I currently live. Today's the 10th of August. We've been um, on lockdown since March the 30th, which makes it around about 134 days of sheltering with my uh, family. I live with my partner and two children, an eight-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son. Here in Zimbabwe, the initial lockdown was intended to be around about 21 days. But after those 21 days elapsed, an additional 14 days were announced. After those 14 additional days, the president announced that the lockdown would continue indefinitely but the government would assess the situation and uh, make revisions where necessary. But these updates have been very sporadic and there's been no clear indication of an end in sight. So we're, we're not really sure when the lockdown is going to end or if it's going to ease up. I'm a writer. I specialize in poetry, so I essentially think of myself as a poet. Being a writer, I'm used to spending parts of my day isolated. But sheltering at home with my family has changed the dynamics of how I work. So I've had to become very flexible with time because I have to share time with my partner, who is a filmmaker, and my daughter, and we all share the same office. Me being a writer, I've had to find pockets of time within the day where I can work uninterrupted. So a temporary solution to this is waking up much earlier than I usually would. I will uh, normally wake up at around about four o'clock in the morning and work until around about eight. And then my daughter starts her online schooling at nine o'clock. So I'll have an hour or so in order to get breakfast ready, wake up my daughter and just have her settle down so that she can be in the right frame of mind to start school. Working in a, within a crisis has actually given me some sort of, I don't want to say the word protection, but 
it gives me some sort of refuge from the anxiety I would uh, normally feel within a crisis. Because when I sit down and work on a piece of paper, or be it work on my computer, I'm absorbed by the world within which I'm stepping into. So it is sort of like a relief from the tensions which are within the actual existing world around me. I can step into a bubble of creativity and meander through that world. And then when I step out of it, it's like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> Here's the shock. So I look forward to being within my creative world. The situation in Zimbabwe is complicated by the collapse of our economy and government uh, corruption. This corruption and mismanagement has led to the deterioration of uh, the healthcare system. As a result, doctors and nurses have been on strike. Hospitals are not equipped for the current pandemic which we're going through. A few weeks ago, there was an activist who called for Zimbabweans to demonstrate against the corruption. This demonstration was supposed to take place on the 31st of July. Many believe that the Zimbabwean government has used this uh, protest as an excuse to clamp down on those who are speaking out against uh, the government. So leading up to this planned demonstration, a number of uh, journalists and activists were arrested. And since then, there's been a curfew nationwide from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. At the moment, our movement is restricted to only moving around when necessary. So we can leave our houses for essential services within a five-kilometer radius of our residences. We have to wear face masks at all times when outside our houses and observe uh, social distancing practices. But having said that, I have to think about uh, the larger population of the country. It's easy to say that we should follow these practices, but uh, there is a majority of people who are living in high-density areas and uh, those who work in the informal sector who sell produce in crowded markets. I think it's very difficult to try and implement some sort of social distancing. When we initially went into lockdown, it was a very tight lockdown. All markets were closed, most shops were closed, and then it eased. Then we had a bit of a spike, and there was the um, planned demonstration which was coming in. So government took measures to say, no, look, we need to tighten up on the lockdown. But there is a sector of the population who rely on selling their produce on a daily basis. And it's very difficult for them to be at home for a stretch of, let's say, one week or two weeks. They have to be out on a daily basis trying to make a dollar or two dollars for that day to get through that day. It's currently um, half past five in the afternoon, early evening. The sun is beginning to set. In about half an hour, it should be dark out in the yard. There's not much I can hear apart from maybe a few birds uh, getting ready to settle down for the night. Outside my window, we've got our dogs who are outside. I can see one of the dogs who is walking by. He's just most probably woken up from a nap in the sun, but the sun is gone now. It's very quiet. It's much quieter than what it would be 
on a normal day. Every day I wake up, it feels like it's a Sunday. It sounds like a Smith song, but um, <laughs> that's how I feel. There's this quietness which is just around in the neighborhood. It's an eerie sort of a silence. You can hear the birds, but you don't really hear that noise or that humming on the street. 134 days, yeah. <laughs> it's a very long time. Within the room I am sitting in, it's basically crammed with books and all the books I love and also books from the owner of the house who we rent from. That's a gift in itself. I feel that I'm surrounded by words and words are things that I love. So it's a very comforting space to be in. One of the most profound things that this pandemic has brought about and particularly sheltering with my family is getting to know my family in a more intimate way than what we had done before. Before, everything was a rush. It was either a rush to go to school, it was a rush to um, pick up somebody from school. What I've now seen is we've been able to take our foot off of the accelerator and just slow down and get to know each other and start speaking to each other. There's no rush to go anywhere anymore. We can just be with each other, talk to each other, and just share our spaces. And it's knitted us very closely. It's a strange thing to come out of a restriction that you can now have an opening up, which gives some sort of a freedom. It's something I don't think we would have had if we were still in the mad rush of life, which was there before. Now everything is slowed down so that we can enjoy each other's company and love in a way that we hadn't done before or appreciated before. In the beginning, there were certain frustrations in connection with your freedoms of movement. But as time went by, we saw that there are certain times when you don't necessarily need to move. Within those times, we were finding out that home was the place where you were most comfortable. Now I think we've settled into some sort of a rhythm where we know we're going to be at home. We have to respect each other's spaces, give each other some sort of time to have maybe time for themselves, but also enjoy the time we have with each other. Three things that have helped during isolation. The first thing which has helped the most is trying to stay positive, looking for the positive aspects in whatever comes about and looking for the positive things in the future. And I think another thing that has helped uh, a lot is uh, keeping a schedule. This helps me out particularly with my work and also just going through the day. So keeping a schedule, knowing what time I will wake up, trying to do the work I have within that time frame. So I know I've got my personal time. And once my personal time is fulfilled, then I can apply the rest of my time to my family and my partner. That helps me feel more at ease when I'm going through the day. Another thing which I found uh, which has helped quite a bit is once in a while, just mixing things up and doing something completely different, which I wouldn't normally do. 
maybe that could be a meal or doing something in the garden or something unexpected, which will just give some sort of variety and surprise to that day. The garden has become important to us over this time of lockdown. The garden has got a lot of fruit trees. It's got a lot of flowers. I think we would struggle as a family of four. And sometimes I hear about other people just being confined within doors. We've got a space where we can actually go outside. We can grow our own vegetables. We can pick our own fruits. Just even being outside to sit outside and read, that makes you feel very grateful for the things you do have. In Zimbabwe, I think you've got areas where there's uh, three or four families living in one house. That makes it uh, very difficult for them to isolate themselves from the next family who's in the next room or who's next door. You've got houses which are very close. So to have a garden, yeah. One of the only messages I can give, which has come down from all of this, is to be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for the life you're living now and the life you've lived. One of the other things I've learned, which makes me feel happy about the days rolling on, is the gratitude for life makes you look at your own life and, and the lives of others, the people who are close to you. And loving yourself, loving those people close to you, I think that's what life is about. Sundogs, Section 3 A warm Sunday evening after the Tokyo parade and the Emperor's death. My wife asleep in my arms. A breeze at play on Shoshi screens as I drift off and dream of ghosts and the white continent. Dogs burrow deep beside the tent all asleep. The tent's canvas flap parted to reveal the Antarctic sun squatting low on the ridge, the sun burnished like a yellow amethyst. From the lip of the ridge, the sun never leaves but hovers above the serrated edge, waiting for straps to lash sledges, for dogs to bark and strain tow lines and move. Only then does the sun slightly rise as the campsite vanishes back into an undivided landscape bright with atonal calm. Our shadows scribbled over our shoulders like illegible scripts of wire. Along a stretch, fractured black with veined crevasses, the weight of the continent groans like a beast waking from a century's sleep. We turn back and listen and say nothing, continuing north over the ice field, until the sun angles down and a hand falls on my shoulder. And without a word, we look out where the sun hangs delicate and strange, a bright mass with two parhelia burning at her flanks, the vision drawing us to stare out to where men had only dreamed to roam two bright halos linking a trinity that had come as quietly as it would go. The air dismantling the miracle. And soon enough, the sun walked alone, 
drawn out to the horizon to crouch, then crawl and slither into frozen dust like a thread of frayed silk. Thank you for listening to Coexisting. It's Lara Lightbody, the producer of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, here is where I need your help. Hit the subscribe button so Coexisting comes up automatically in your feed. Secondly, write a review and rate with stars, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if there's anyone out there that you think would make a great guest, just get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn as Coexisting Podcast. That way, that many more people will find us. <laughs>